Hello everyone, Sam Willis here. Now, before we begin, I wanted to make a little announcement. I'm delighted to tell you all that I've teamed up with the excellent Bike Odyssey, a company with history and travel deep in its heart. They offer exceptional biking adventures. Bike Odyssey was set up by the historian, TV presenter and friend of mine, Sam Wood, who made the BBC documentary on Hannibal's Trail and he subsequently dedicated his life to cycling in the footsteps of great historical figures. This autumn, I'll be joining their Venetian tour travelling in the footsteps of Marco Polo. Come along and see for yourself why the Adriatic Sea is the most scenic coastline in the world. Along the way, I'll be sharing stories from my life of travel, adventure and research, as well as exploring the history all around us. It'll be a chance not just to immerse yourself in some of the world's most fascinating history, but to change the way that you think about the past. Now, if you want to find out more, just head over to bikeodyssey.cc. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show where we demonstrate that simply everything has its own history, like eggs, lenses and apes. Or C, flea and tea. Or spot hot and what it's not. That's the history of opposites. Of course, it all has to rhyme. It does. And we'll be following the links in our minds, as we always do as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, who knew that the history of trees... Take that tree growing in your garden. The history of trees is all about highwaymen, fairness, seafaring, industry, and, of course, saving the planet. Although the history of the Reformation... And hiding... And hiding. And hiding in trees. Tree houses mm. and children. I mean, we could go on and on yeah. and on. I think we should. We should do trees. It's about hanging. It's about execution. And the history of the Reformation, and we're going to do a special on the history of the Reformation because we've just recorded something on the history of the Tudors. The history of the Reformation is, in fact, all about bells, bones, windows and fire. We've talked a lot about the Reformation. It always crops up. Reformation and gloves. It's the They are core... Core themes at the heart of histories of the unexpected. Absolutely. Uh, the man sitting opposite me, he's the yo-ho-ho of history. He is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is James Daybell. Hello, James. Hello, Sam. And the man sitting opposite me is the blackbeard of maritime history. It is the truly wonderful, fantastic, famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. So, Sam, what are we doing today? Well, I've just realised, but with the yo-ho-ho of history, it could either be Father Christmas or pirates. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> or is it ho-ho-ho? It's There's almost a, it summer. Is. There's a real difference between ho-ho-ho <laughs> And yo ho ho, ho. isn't there? There is fundamental. We're doing yo ho ho. We're doing yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. We are doing pirates. Pirates. So Sam, when you think about pirates, and we haven't done this for a while, when you think about pirates, what do you think of? Um, I think about ships and fighting and stealing and treasure and empire and. Locations of being pirates, why people are doing the pirating where they are, and also the way it it changed over history. So you've got kind of Tudor pirates like Drake, yep. um, and you've got the Barbary pirates as well, different type of pirates doing a different type of piracy. See, that's interesting. Drake as a pirate, you know, often people see him as a 
sort of an adventurer and state sponsored and and all of that. So how how come he's a pirate? Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good point. What what is is it okay if it's state sponsored? Is it not? So um, yep. legal definitions is is a really important part of it, actually, and trying to understand piracy and also understanding where in the world piracy disappears and how it's controlled. It's as much a legal problem yes. and defining what piracy and who pirates are and how they are being a pirate yes. is, is anything else. And privateering is, is, the basic, is basically the, a sort of really simple rule of thumb that privateering is when it is state-sponsored and, um, and pirate is when you're off on your own. Yes, essentially. Yep. But it's state-sponsored, but they're still pirating. They're still yes. stealing stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, and, you know it is. It's a maritime thing. Yes, um, and you're stealing stuff on the high seas where there's no jurisdiction. Yes, um, yes. But you know, if you think about people talk about the pirate wars, whatever they might be, and there's a sort of inherently martial aspect to it. However, it's as much a social legal issue as it is actually actually to do with the fighting. So those are some of the ideas um, which which I think about initially, and you know, doing it in an unexpected way um is is more challenging but there's been some wonderful scholarship written about piracy yes i um, mean you can really get to grips with it but i think if you're if you're listening to this and you want to get involved in piracy the first thing you <laughs> if you want to you make, get that, a boat makes you sound like <laughs> yes, it makes you sound like if you want to be a pirate <laughs> do you want yes if you um, want to be a pirate lose your morals um, grow your hair yes uh, a, a peg leg uh, a hook <laughs> and a cutlass yeah. a um uh, an eye patch. Eye patch and eyeglass. Yes. Um, all of these things, I think, are very expected themes, though, aren't they? Yes. Um, you know, you could sort of stop and ask anyone what they thought piracy would be. But I think the point is here, we can we can really, we can explode it and explain that there are various different ways of thinking about it. One of the fundamental ones, of course, is when and where you're talking about. Yes. Most people talk about the, well, the golden age of piracy, Caribbean, late 70s. Yep. They're more buccaneers. Now, that's yep. another thing. Yep. Um, 1700 to 1720 to 1730. It's that specific. Right. It's really, really specific. Right. uh, Which is fascinating. Um, But before that, you have buccaneers in the Caribbean. Now they're doing all sorts of other things. It's kind of semi-state sponsored. Um, You've got, as I said, the Barbary pilots. And that's religious wars carried on at sea. There's a lot of stealing people from Cornwall. Right. Often say Barbary pirates sailing up from North Africa, landing in Penzance, stealing a congregation of people in church and selling them as slavery in, as slaves in North Africa. Right. And there's also um, piracy going on in the Mediterranean, and there has been for centuries and millennia. Yes. You look at it. Um, so there's loads of pirate stuff to do with the Romans. Uh, which is interesting. So that's piracy in the Mediterranean and along the, the Atlantic coasts, you know, just around from Gibraltar. Up from there, you've got piracy in the Indian Ocean, you've got Chinese pirates, got Korean pirates, Japanese pirates. They, they, they all share... Somali pirates nowadays. Yeah, yeah. They all share a lot of themes, um, but they're all different, and you have to think about them all differently, not least to do with the technology. One of the things I'm most familiar with is the... Uh, this sounds terrible, but is the popular representation of pirates, you know, all the way from... Um, Treasure Island was one of my sort of earliest entrees into looking at pirates and Long John Silver, uh, for example. Um, But also more recently, Pirates of the Caribbean and the way that they've been represented. My um, Also, it's striking how much pirates seem to capture the imagination of children. 
and pirates being taught at school. I brought you this, which is a wanted poster. <laughs> Can I see it? Pass, pass, pass. Uh, then pass it back. This is my little seven-year-old had been has been doing this, and I was um, I was just fascinated by it because one of the things that I'm really passionate about is inspiring children to become interested in history and one of the <laughs> I have a captive audience I have two daughters and so they get quite a bit of history from me uh, I'm also passionate about uh, women's history and gender history and we had a small we've got a couple of books about you know most famous women in history and what struck me was that they were you know a lot of several of the characters that they talk about are female pirates and it's a way of inspiring that interest in children and am i going to read this out Would you no 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 I, I'm, I'm going to read this out because it's it's uh, so this was an exercise that my that my daughter did she as when i asked her permission to talk about this this morning she said daddy you know it's all made up um and she speaks like that um so she had got very interested in anne bonnie so we've got a little um and one of the exercises that schools get children to do. They teach them about pirates and then get them to do a bit of creative writing, sort of creative non-fiction. Anne Bonny uh, being a it. very famous, a very real, famous female pirate. real female pirate in the 18th century. Yeah. Cross-dressing female pirate, and we'll come back to, to that. So, name Anne Bonny. Age, 30. Gender, females. They're already getting them to think about these, these cat categories. Distinguishing mark. Frizzy red hair. Now, apparently that is true. And a scar on her cheek. She always wears a bandana in her hair. How did she? How did she perform a crime? She poisoned a child and stole from a ship. Accent Irish. Last seen harbour with her crew, and the reward. Uh, Alice is going to pay a hundred gold coins for her capture. But it's the idea that that piracy captures the imagination of children, and it is a great way of getting them to learn about a particular period and hear about women in the past and also it's a great prompt for a kind of thinking about you know use of the creative imagination that we've we, we talk about all the time yeah so yes i love that thank you alice I that love was a that. good prompt um i mean i i got into this like you like many others uh, with treasure island yes um Squire Trelawney, Dr. Livesey, and the rest of these gentlemen having asked me to write down the whole particulars about Treasure Island from the beginning to the end, keeping nothing back but the bearings of the island, and that only because there is still treasure not lifted. I take up my pen in the year of grace 17-something and go back to the time when my father kept the Admiral Benbow Inn and the brown old seaman with the sabre cut first took up his lodging under our roof. It's brilliant! How could anyone not want to I read love, some more of I that? Love, I love Treasure Island. Uh, I remember him as if it were yesterday as he came plodding to the inn door, his sea chest following behind him in a hand barrow, a tall, strong, heavy, nut-brown man, his tarry pigtail falling over the shoulders of his soiled blue coat, his hands ragged and scarred with black broken nails, and the sabre cut across one cheek, a dirty, livid white... I remember him looking around the cove and whistling to himself as he did so and then breaking out in that old sea song that he sang so soon afterwards, 15 men on the dead man's chest, yo-ho-ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. It's brilliant. I, I, just for the first time, I've just realised that 15 men on the dead man's chest, what does that mean? Have you any idea? Uh, 15 men on a dead man's chest. Is it, is it coins? Is it money? Not 15 people, like, standing on a dead man's chest. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? 
Yes. I'd like to know. Can someone get in touch, please? Um, Spots. Spots. It is good. Just bear with me. Bear with me. So okay. I just this is the Treasure Island uh, bit, which which actually inspired me partially to become a naval historian and p- to become a biographer because I've written a biography um, of the Admiral Benbow. So I'll take you back to that bit here. I take up my pen in the year of grace, 17-something, and go back to the time when my father kept the Admiral Benbow in. Now, those of you who, um. who, who spend time in Cornwall... There's one in Shrewsbury as well. Um, we'll know that there are pubs indeed called the Admiral Benbow. Um, and he's a real person with a real history, and uh, I, th- that actually inspired me to find out about him and write a book. Now, Benbow is actually important, and his life is intricately tied up with pirates and with piracy um, because he went on the hunt. He went into the Caribbean in the 1690s to try and hunt pirates, uh, and he actually um, helped to track down William Kidd, and one of the most wonderful things I found was a list of William Kidd's treasure, mm. which uh, Benbow actually managed to find and bring back from America. Um, and it's so real. This is a list of some and possibly all of the treasure which was delivered to Benbow for safekeeping as the uh, the Gloucester, the ship he was on, was in Massachusetts Bay in June 1700. This is the full inventory. Um it's the point here that, that, that pirates do have a real history, and we'll talk a bit more about the myth of it all, but um, historians have really done their best to fill in the gaps. In Captain William Kidd's box, one bag containing 57 silver bars, one bag containing 79 bars of silver, another one containing 74 bars of silver, an enameled, enameled silver box gilt in which are four diamonds set in gold lockets, one diamond loose, one large diamond set in a gold ring. Then they go and find another stash of his stuff in a house where he'd been hiding, a bag of gold, another bag of gold, a handkerchief full of gold, another bag of gold, another bag of gold, another bag of gold, and another bag of gold. Um, almost $20 with pieces of eight English crowns, another small bar of silver, a lump of silver, a small chain, a bottle, um, two silver basins, silver candlesticks. It just goes on and on and on. And he's got all sorts of other stuff as well. He's got bags of sugar and pieces of silk, muslins, calico, gold dust, silver bars. It's What's wonderful about it is that there's a... Um, it's an utterly convincing list of treasure. Yeah. It's been... Yeah. It's like someone's raided a kind of a variety of jewellery shops and just nicked a few things and he's kept it there. So there's, there's nothing kind of systematic about it. He's got a bit of this, he's got a bit of that. And... Um, I love the way, particularly, that, that, that piracy and pirates have this, the myth, yes. the story we all know, but there's a real proper history there, and it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And it happens at a time when people are keeping records, people are writing yes. about it, so you can actually, you can, you can get hold of it. Okay, see, I was thinking about how to get into pirates in unexpected ways, and one of the things that I would, by chance, this is total serendipity, one of the things that I was thinking about was sea shanties as a sort of, uh, sort of, sung tradition that captures the sort of spirit or legend of particular pirates and the ballad of Captain Kidd yeah. uh, was one of those that I that I came across my name was William Kidd there are lots of different versions of this my name was William Kidd when I sailed when I sailed my name was William Kidd when I sailed it's very repetitive <laughs> my name was William Kidd God's laws I did forbid and so wickedly I did when I sailed it goes on my parents taught me well when I sailed when I sailed my parents taught me well I had a bible in my hand when I sailed 
sailed when I sailed. I murdered William Moore as I sailed, as I sailed. I was sick and nigh to death as I sailed. God, it goes on and on and on. I thought I was undone and my wicked glass had run. And it goes through all the sort of piratey activities. Um, I spied three ships from Spain. I had 90 bars of gold. Farewell, the raging main. To the execution dock I must go. I must go to the execution dock I must go. Come, all ye young and old, and see me die, see me die. Take a warning now by me, for I must die, I must die. Take a warning now from me, for I must die. Take a warning now by me, and shud bad company. Let you come to hell with me, for I must die. That's brilliant. It's quite a tale, isn't it? Was it was very well read. Well... Of course, I have a superb reading voice. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting themes there. Yes, Public tons. execution. I think we should do um, do a podcast on execution. Definitely. So everyone has to come and see him die. That's the important thing. Um, yes. William Kidd famously hanged twice. Yes. First time it broke, rope snapped. <laughs> you had one job to do, and the guy... <laughs> um, Anyway, so William Kidd's absolutely fascinating. Now, one of the reasons he particularly has to die is he's a great example of someone turning pirate. Yes. From a good position. Yes. I actually have his commission in front of me. Do you? Not the actual commission, but I've got a copy of it. So he sailed with the king's commission. And do you know what his job was? What the king, what William actually commissioned him to do? Official pirate? He was um, commissioned to catch pirates. Right. Oh, yes, he was a pirate catcher, wasn't he? He was a pirate yes. catcher. He was an officially sanctioned pirate catcher. So here are William Rex, William III, by the grace of God, King of England, Scotland, France and Ireland, Defender of the Faith, etc. To our trusty and well-beloved Captain William Kidd, commander of the ship, the Adventure Gallery, Galley, or to any other, the commander of the same for the time being, and so on. He is required... Is given full power and authority to apprehend, seize, and take unto your custody, as well as the said Captain Thomas Two, who's a pirate, John Ireland, who's a pirate, Captain Thomas Wake, who's a pirate, Captain William Mays or Mace, who's a pirate. All of these being pirates, freebooters, and sea rovers, being either our subjects or of other nations associated with them, which you shall meet with upon the seas. Mm. Now, so it's um. William Kidd is a wonderful example, actually. Of this it's it's about it's about changing your spots. It's about deception. It's about um, people losing faith in you. There are all sorts of wonderful themes to do with history here. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And um, I'm just reading a bit from this book here and it explains when the whole crux of the biography I'm reading here is when and how he suddenly changes and why he does so. And he kills one of his men with a bucket. He seems to have he lit an iron bucket, smacks him around the head with it. Hmm. So William Kidd's out there in the, in the Indian Ocean. So that comes back to this question of where piracy is happening, what they're doing there. And he steals a lot of money from a, um, an incredibly valuable merchant ship. Hmm. But the the big question at the time, it was one of the most popular pirate trials, was 
how, when and why this man who sailed with the king's commission on a well-equipped ship essentially lost the plot in their eyes. Um, so the kid's story is actually a history of disgrace as much as anything. And um, and the, the need for the state to demonstrate its dominance, its mm. capture. Capturing kid was the most important thing that happened in the late 1690s. People, an entire squadron was sent to the West Indies to go and find him. Mm. Uh, under the guy, you know, under the, the guise of something else, but that was that was actually their job. So you know, paranoia as well as lose, like losing control. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were losing control of the story. Yeah, they were supposed to be in charge of this this scourge of the seas, and they lost it. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a fascinating story of press and printing there as well. Hmm. Well, I'm interested in female pirates and inspired by my daughters Um, and one of the most interesting characters I've come across is Grace O'Malley Mm -hmm. um, who's an absolutely fascinating Elizabethan pirate this is somebody who's born in the 1530s um, and really flourished in the sort of towards the end of Elizabeth's reign. She married, she's Irish, she's from the province of Connaught. She seems to have married really well into the local uh, sort of clans in Ireland and has controlled a sort of uh, a part of land around County Mayo. And the way in which she and her husband and her after her husband died made their money was by either through the land, but also through seafaring and piracy. Yep. So capturing ships as they as they came through. Um, and, of course, this is a time when Ireland is being uh, overthrown by... There's a period of conquest from the English. Uh, and so you have the sort of plantation in Ireland, which is this sort of Protestant... Uh, these Protestant English who are being settled there. There's a Lord Deputy of Ireland... Uh, who is um, who's sort of in charge of this area, and so the indigenous local Irish people come into conflict with the state. But she's had a she has a really sort of interesting career, and if you have a look at her life from the perspective of the documents that survive from her. There is a really sort of rich range of evidence about all the things that she got up to. Um, she wrote a petition to Elizabeth I, um, basically asking for permission to continue with what she'd been doing. And this survives in the, the National Archives, and it's dated around 1580, and it's addressed to the Queen's Most Excellent Majesty. In my most humble wise duty unto your most excellent majesty, your loyal and faithful subject, Granny O'Malley, uh, it seems what what what, they, what it's been rendered as, of Connaught uh, in your highness's realm of Ireland, that whereas by your means of continual discord, blah, 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 it goes on, tries to sort of, you know, asks for Elizabeth's help. Um, and then Elizabeth sends back a series of questions that then um, Grace O'Malley has to respond to. And, you know, and from that, she responds, and we have this sort of wonderful idea of all her activities as a pirate. Mm. Um, So I think one of the interesting things here is, 
you know, the degree to which pirates were not just men, but pirates were also women. Um, and from your period, the period that you were talking about, the golden age of piracy, um, we've got people like um, Anne Bonny uh, and Mary Reed, uh, who are famous pirates of, of that of that period, who dressed up as men in order to live a life as as pirates. So we've got here the theme of cross-dressing. And the debate here is about whether what the cross-dressing meant. So is it that these, these are, in fact, transsexual uh, individuals who are dressing up, uh, you know, uh, according to how they feel and their own identity? Or is it women who are dressing up as men in order to be on board ship as operating as pirates. There's a, there's a really fascinating bit here in the, in the life of Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. I'm going to come back. These, all of these things I'm reading is coming from a book called... It has the best title in the history of all books, James. And that's true. OK. A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates by Captain Charles Johnson. Yes. Um, I'm into this at the moment because I'm editing a new volume of this for the British Library, which is good. Here's a bit from the Mary Reed and Anne Bonny story. Among these was a young fellow of a most engaging behaviour, or at least he was so in the eyes of Mary Reed, who became so smitten with this person and addressed that she could neither rest night or day. But as there is nothing more ingenious than love, it was no hard matter for her, who had before been practised to these wiles, to find a way to let him discover her sex. She first insinuated herself into his liking by talking against the life of a pirate, which he was altogether averse to. So they became messmates and strict companions. When she found he had a friendship for her as a man, she suffered the discovery to be made by carelessly showing her breasts, which were very white. It's a key moment in this story. Hmm. Um, and how Mary Reed and Anne Bonny disguise themselves, how they cope on board with life surrounded by men um, and falling in love, uh, well, at least being lovers with various members of the crew. So this is a really it's a so this is a fascinating general bit. history of the robberies and murders of the most notorious pirates. That's right, by Captain Charles Johnson. Published in 1724. Okay, so that's yes. the one. Now, um, this for me is one, one of the real unexpected aspects of piracy. So piracy for me is actually all about anonymity. Yes. About not knowing who people mm. are, but at the same time, well, it's about identity as well. So let me just explain this a little bit. Pretty much everything we know about these pirates from the Golden Age, so this is Bartholomew Roberts, Avery, uh, Steed Bonnet, um, Charles Vane, John Rackham, Edward Lowe, Blackbeard, on and on and on, William Kidd, comes from this book, which was published in 1724. Since 1724, there, there have been an enormous amount of different versions of this book. It was different edition almost immediately afterwards, second edition, the third edition in 25, then there was another one in 1728, and there was another one in 1734, and on and on. And they can actually be traced all the way up to 1926, <laughs> different, different versions of it. And even then, after that, the 70s, you have scholarly versions of it. So pretty much everything we know comes from this book, but no one knows who wrote it. So it's written, supposedly, by Captain Charles Johnson. Do we know who he was? No. No. OK. People thought they knew, but we don't actually know. Um, it's a pen name. 
Um, and so this history of piracy and our knowledge of piracy is actually all to do with the history of pen names. Um, what's, what's your pen name knowledge like, James? Can you name any people who write under pen names? Or not? Uh, Stephen King. Off the top of my head, no. Agatha Christie. <laughs> Agatha Christie. Um, Elton John. Uh, and lots of... Sting. No, no, sorry, I'm actually naming real people who <laughs> no, no. also yes. wrote... Uh, have also written under pen names. J.K. Rowling writes under a pen name, doesn't she? Well done. Understanding the motivation behind that is important. In this case... Dr. Zeus, Mark Twain, George Orwell. Yeah. Mm. A surprising amount of people. Yes. Um, One of the most famous at the time was Daniel Defoe. Uh, do, you, do, you think it, do you think it was Defoe who wrote this? No, I, I don't. You some don't. People some do. people do. So, yes, some people think that it was written by Daniel Defoe by analysing the type of of um, the phrases he used, the, the the themes he follows, the way he actually writes. Um, but that's been chucked out, basically, by by contemporary historians. And now someone who's been proposed is called Nathaniel Mist, who was a Jacobite publisher at the time. One of the things we do know, well, the two things we do know, is that whoever wrote this book had access to contemporary sources. And actually, when you think about this book and you think about the history of pirates, it goes to the very heart of what it is to be a historian and how you get your information, where you get it from. So whoever is publishing this book is getting fresh, reliable, colourful, first-hand information from somewhere. They are also very knowledgeable about the sea. So their description of seamanship, their description of the way ships work, their description of the geography, we also think they, they know the West Indies. They're familiar with the West Indies. But apart from that, we do not know who it was. Both of them, if it was Defoe or Mist, had very good reasons to hide their identity. Why is that? Mist was a Jacobite and he wanted his book to sell. Yes. Um, And so the government are doing their absolute best to try and crack down on people like Mist, who is a political agitator. Yes. He's got a newspaper. It's why we think it was Mist. He's got a newspaper and they're publishing loads and loads of stories about pirates. Mist was also uh, in the Royal Navy and he has been to the Caribbean. Right. So he ticks all of the boxes. Yes. Now, one of the... I mean, Defoe kind of does as well, but but less so. And basically, I think people have suggested that Defoe has actually written something like 500 books because he wrote so often as a pen name and everyone wants to attribute to him because he's a genius at the time. In this case, I don't think it was him. Or he may... He was actually working for Mist at the time and he may have been involved. So here's one of the interesting things about it. Historians have been trying to identify who Captain Charles Johnston is, assuming it's a single person and assuming it's a man. Yes. There is no evidence at all that either of those things are true. And one of the things I think is interesting is that you've got all of these different editions of the Charles Johnston book coming out year after year after year after year. The other thing that people assume is that the same Captain Johnston is publishing and writing the book and he's changing he's changing the content. And I don't think that's true. Mm. I think what's happening is that Charles Johnston, whoever he was, say it was Nathaniel Mist, publishes the first one. Yep. It's an immense success. He then publishes the second one, possibly the third one. Then it goes a bit quiet until 1734. Then I think someone else publishes the 1734 volume, and then someone else after that. So our understanding of pirates and the history of piracy is actually intricately linked with things like the history of copyright and readership, fundamentally the publishing industry. So one of the other great things about this, this book was published in 1724. It was the first book to be published about pirates. However, it was by no means the first criminal biography. 
and there is a long established fascinating tradition of criminal biography people were obsessed mm. with criminals and criminal biographies and the earliest one here we have um uh 1592, James. 1592, yes. The arraignment, examination, confession and judgment of Arnold Cosby. He sounds like a baddie, doesn't he? Who willfully murdered the Lord Burke near the town of Wandsworth on the 14th day of the present month of January and was executed the 7th of the same month. Well, there is there is a well-established tradition of murder pamphlets Aha, here from we go. the Elizabethan period and news pamphlets. Yep. And that's the kind of literature that would have would have sold. Yep. So it's probably within that that tradition. And this to me the, the publishing history of this seems you know, it seems to sort of tally absolutely with these kind of popular texts. What's interesting from this from uh, looking at the 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 front cover of it, the title page is the way in which the typography helps sell it. You know, a general history of the pirates in in massive sort of bold type. But then what's interesting is the prominence that's given to two female pirates. Yes. To Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. They, they're the, basically the font for them is so much larger than any of the others. It's so, on the front page. So, yeah, it's on the front, front page and that is basically what they're how they're marketing it, with the remarkable actions and adventurers of two female pirates. I mean, also, in this 1724 edition, you've got wonderful illustrations as well. And Anne Bonny is represented... I mean, you can tell that it's... uh, You can tell that it's... She's female. Um, You can tell that she's got... um, you know, female, feminine shoes. You can see her long, curly hair coming out. The, the artist is st- stuck with the basic problem of trying to present these people as visible women. Yes, isn't he? Yes, and just stacked with weapons yeah. as well. The other very distinctive one is uh, Edward Teach, who, of course, you all know yes. as Blackbeard. Yes. And he's standing under a palm tree. There, he's standing by... There are a variety of things here suggestive of maritime stuff. There's some people carrying a um, a barrel behind him. He's standing next to another barrel. He's under a very distinctive, curious-looking tree um, with a ship in the background that he's pointing to. He is riddled, I think is the phrase, with guns. Yes. Um, and he's got a big musket on his right-hand side. Now, interestingly, he's uh, twisted and plaited his beard and his hair, he's also twisted and blatted, and into his hair he has put fireworks and set fire to them. Yes. Um, and he he, believed, he was one of the pirates who actually believed he was the reincarnation of the devil. That's what he told everyone. He would be taking people presently to hell. Um, charming chap. Charming chap. But it's there, there's wonderful illustrations in here. Um, and there were also a very similar thing to a 1740, like a decade before this was published, there's another book on highwaymen that's the first one on highwaymen. So you've got this Elizabethan murdering pamphlets and then then you get books about thieves you get books about general baddies you get books about prostitutes and you get books about highwaymen which are all fascinating their own way and we should do one on highwaymen because i'm also doing a uh, book about highwaymen for the british library you now well we should definitely do one about about highwaymen if people want to see a if people want to see this in its original form and not just your edition of it you can go to east carolina university digital collections and you can see a digitized copy of this 
on their website. So if you type in a general history of the robberies and murders of the most notorious pirates by Charles Johnson, 1724, and then type in East Carolina University Digital Collections, it will take you to a digital facsimile of it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And the, you know, I suppose one of the things I like about this is this bridge between past and present. It's, it is an interesting period to us, it's interesting to the kids. And if you just read that title page out, you were saying, who would not want to pick up that book and read it, no, quite absolutely. frankly? Imagine it at the time. So it's piracy's ma- mega hot news at the time. There are people being executed all over the place. It's a c- utterly, utterly contemporary thing. Yes. Now, the 1734 volume, which I'm going to be looking at, is important because it's the first volume that's published after the golden age of piracy has ended. So this 1724 volume, it's, 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 it's utterly contemporary. It's more like a, a newspaper report uh, than anything else. But the 1734 one, that's an actual history book. Now, the people at the time may not have necessarily thought of it like that because there was still a great deal of uncertainty what was going on and how pirates were considered, whether they actually believed in naval strength, whether they believed the pirates were going to be coming back again. It's a moment where the it's like the the tops of the masts of the pirate ships, have, are, are, you know, they're, they're heading across the horizon, but they can still just be glimpsed and no one knows if they're going to come back. It's a period of anxiety and fear. So there you go. I think piracy is all about anonymity, the publishing industry, piracy and fear. And black spots, cross-dressing, yeah. women, yeah. pregnancy. It's all about so pregnancy. Women, That's fascinating. women got off being executed as pirates by claiming to be pregnant. Mm. And I love this bridge between the present and the past as well. So if you, yes. if you, everyone, please go and have a look at this book because it's brilliant. And just put yourselves in the shoes of someone in a bookshop in 1724 because the same interest that has driven you to look at this book, it's probably online, is, ex- is exactly the same interest that drove someone to go and pick up the book in a bookshop in 1734. And I love those links across time. Brilliant. And when when should we expect your volume out, Sam? Oh, October. October? I think I'm starting with High Women in October, Pirates six months after that. Um, so at some point next year, and I think I'm going to be going uh, on doing a little tour little book tour associated with it so you can all come and hear me talk about pirates and high women uh, thank you all very much for listening do get in touch with your ideas about pirates um, and please follow me on twitter you can follow me at dr sam willis and you can follow me at james daybell and you can follow the podcast at unexpected pod if you want to find out what's coming up with the rest of our books and our live shows we've got loads of live shows coming up and it's really good fun our books and podcasts have been turned into a show by a playwright and um we turn up on stage with a big box full of magic don't we really? Yes, and we're doing Chalk Valley. We're doing Wimpole Hall in Cambridge, the Cambridge History Festival. We're at Ways with Words at uh, the wonderful Dartington Hall. Yes, and if we, you're a history teacher, we've got loads of history teachers follow us. Do get in touch because we can help with your schools. We certainly can. Yes, absolutely. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.